0: Oh, hey, Mets fans. Welcome back to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, as we last recorded, the Mets have gone 500. They lost 2-3 to the Pirates. They split a game. Split, split two games, rather, with the Yankees. And they won the first game against the St. Louis Cardinals. And so, um, as you said before we started recording, that's not great, but that's improvement. So, yay? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean I think
1: at some point during that second Yankees game I texted a friend that I like I give up. This team's not making the playoffs. I I I hit my wall and I know for me that's much later than everybody else. But that is a feeling I had this week. So uh winning that game and 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 winning the first game of the Cardinals series definitely a step in the
0: right direction. Yes. Getting me back from from the baseball ledge. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I I I concur with that completely. Um so, yeah, that is that 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 is the general state of, of the team right now. A couple of things did happen that we talked about on the podcast last week. Uh, Steven Nagosik was DFA'd and is now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tommy Hunter was DFA'd and I believe is elected to, for free agency. And um, no, it's a uh, shame to see those guys. It's a shame those guys didn't have more options because I, I like both those players to a certain degree. But they were being used in situations that were just far above their current ability or their current results, at least. And so um, the bullpen has been slightly remade with Josh Walker as uh, a lefty out of the bullpen who pitched two innings last night. Looks pretty good. Uh, who was the other arm they called up? I can't recall now off offhand. I meant to look this up for the show and I forgot to.
1: Well, I know they brought Curtis back.
0: Yes, I, I think that's who it was. I think it's Curtis is the other one. And then
1: I, I think there might have been even one other move or, or did yeah maybe they came back at the or, same time.
0: The other move was Luis guillorme coming back to the team. Right. Um when um Pete Alonso went on the IL. I believe I there might, might have been one more. Those are the ones that I'm remembering off the top of the dome right now. Um but you know uh he got an excellent start out of uh Justin Verlander against the Yankees he got a terrible start out of Max Scherzer against the Yankees And it seems that these guys have just been swapping bad start uh, for bad start as they have been going here. Uh, At what point do you feel that you're a little bit concerned about the age of the Mets starting pitching staff catching up with them?
1: I might be there now. I I mean, it definitely hasn't been what you would expect from especially the two aces in the rotation. I mean, Kodai Sanga has been significantly better overall. Yes. Yes both of them, but during that Scherzer start, uh, and I, I alluded to a bold idea to, to you earlier this week. So during that start, uh, SNY threw up a graphic showing his velocity inning by inning Uh and, and it dropped off fairly rapidly in the third, fourth, fifth innings. So my bold suggestion, and I will preface this by saying I have no plan on how to backfill. But the Mets already have uh, one of the richest or if not the richest relief pitcher contract in in baseball history with Edwin Diaz Scherzer make him John Smoltz (laughs) move him to the bullpen 43 million dollar closer Scherzer or Verlander Scherzer that is that is that is my bold suggestion that I don't even know if I actually want to see them do but in that game I was like screw it send him to the pen. games against the Yankees as much as I'm like oh I'm over the subway series things start to go wrong and and I guess I I have very knee-jerk reactions but uh <laughs> but let's let's say let's say this continues and Scherzer second or third time through the order is useless but is still very good the first time through um it, would 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 you be at all open to my my bold idea or is or is that
0: giving up way too soon uh on him um well, for the for the for the sake of the bit, let's let's say it's not too soon. Okay, I, I, actual Brian might might wait another month before <laughs> making that decision. But for, for the sake of the bit, let let's say that that it's not too soon. That that this is um, this is a, an idea that Mets are going to pursue. There are three questions that I have for you. Number one, what do you think his workload would be able to be? Yeah, yeah, that that. Probably
1: uh, like a Seth Lugo type thing of every other day or, or, or every third day. You know. maybe,
0: maybe one inning every third day. Right. Okay. I, I'm going to take your bold idea and and, and <laughs> wrap it up a notch. Max Scherzer is your opener two days a week. Yeah. You, you let him start two games a week or two innings a piece. And when you think about and look, if, if he's having a particularly great uh, game, I guess you could maybe push it a little more, but you have to have some hard and fast rules with this, I would guess. Otherwise, you're just gonna, you're just making a starting pitcher who pitches less at this point. Um, but I, I would think that if you made him the opener, for every Tyler McGill and Carlos Carrasco start. And you took the first two innings off the table for those two pitchers who could still warm up with essentially the same way they could as starters because they would know they're entering in the third inning of those uh, of those games. And so if you let Scherzer take the first six batters or eight batters, whatever it winds up being of those games, then all of a sudden if McGill and Carrasco give you five innings each, you are in – far better shape and you can set up the bullpen in a way that will not be overly taxing to the top line uh, throwers in the pitchers in the bullpen because you could, you would know you have, you know, I mean, look, things always go wrong. Theoretically, you would only have to get nine outs. no six outs from your bullpen in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Does that idea interest you at all or would you rather him be your closer while Diaz is out i think I, yeah i think that
1: idea is a little more uh logical you, you know the the more emotional <laughs> like, <laughs> damn it i want i want somebody who's on that diaz level and and hey david robertson has been very very good um, yes. and and thank goodness for that you know it, his performance has definitely been overlooked because the team just can't get in sync uh right. this season but but yeah no i i, I think i'd be uh, open to that uh do, do you want to guess the slugging percentage against scherzer in his third time through the order this year
0: Roughly. slugging slugging percentage yes i know yoda has a thought on this yes apparently he does <laughs>
1: um
0: yoda is chris's dog i'm not talking about a fictional star wars character by the way folks um uh, I'm going to wow. guess it's like five twenty. Eight fourteen. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. Not, that's, not the, that's not the OPS. It's just the, it's just yeah, the... No, no,
1: the, the OPS is 1.2. Uh, third time through to, to his credit. Second time through is actually slightly better than the first. Well, he has had the rough first innings a couple of
0: times, right? So
1: yeah. Although I think. Yeah, it, there, there's there's definitely a little bit of weirdness in, in that part too. But early in his starts, there's there's plenty that's going right. Yes. Um, second time through, five ninety eight OPS for opposing hitters. But yeah, third time through, and, and granted, it's a smaller sample because of course it is. But third time through, uh, you're looking at like the entire opposing lineup is. Barry Bonds.
0: Right. It's Shohei Ohtani. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, and th- there's no great, uh, like your plan makes more sense. Uh, if you, if you just straight up move him into like a setup slash closer role and pair him with Ottavino and Robertson, There's no obvious candidate to fill that rotation spot. I mean, maybe Jose Quintana is ready sooner rather than later. He, right. He at least got out on a rehab assignment and, uh, as far as we know felt good pitched well yeah it was i think we got four outs you know very very much easing back into things and it would be a major story i i feel like it would have to come from scherzer and then people would talk about the salary even more i mean even i brought it up and and,
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and we notably yeah, don't yeah. care about uh player salaries yeah
1: right yeah no. It, this is steve cohen can afford to make whatever changes need to be made to do something that's best for the team um but yeah we we talked a little bit last week too about you know what can they do with what they already have you know what new things can they try uh i haven't written about this at all to to post it because i'm not confident that it's actually a good idea well i mean to
0: me the, the the biggest fear i would have is that Scherzer would instantly start hitting baseball the way John Smolt hates baseball. Me. So that yeah. right, you know, to me, that would be the biggest problem. I couldn't quite get through that with a straight face. Um, I mean, look, if Scherzer was up for it, I don't know. I mean, Scherzer by all accounts, Scherzer is a very good teammate. Scherzer is very competitive. This is a big step for him as a player. And I don't know if he feels he's there yet, right? And you know, you look at some pitchers
1: have that flexibility, um, and and some don't. I I don't really think that Matt Harvey, who who recently
0: retired, is getting into commercial real estate, which seems like a bad idea in twenty twenty three. But you know, oh yeah, (laughs) you know, more more power to him, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, no. Hey, if if that keeps him happy. I thought it was funny. They showed him during the Subway Series at a game, and and when uh, the the person sitting next to him, I, I, you know, pointed that he was on the TV, he he like reached for his beer to like try to hide it a little. Okay, and I was like, man, I feel bad. You know, we, we obviously he's he's gone through a lot, um, but to just be at a game of your former team now as a guy who's not playing anymore and, and feel like you have to like hide that you just have a beer. Right, yeah. Um it, 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 that that sucks. Uh but but anyway, Harvey was not a guy who was open to moving to the bullpen. Um I mean his his time with the Mets was I think the last time I saw him pitch in person was in San Diego in a mop-up inning of relief. Um and he he was just not on board with it. And I don't know that if that would have extended his career. Obviously it, the, the injury that he dealt with is one that often derails major league careers. But,
0: um, can yeah, we'll talk to all about that right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you never know if, if a pitcher is going to be open to changes or not. Um, especially one who is,
0: I'd say in the final chapter of his sure thing, hall of fame career, Right, right. Well, I guess that's the question I would have. So Scherzer has a player option for next season, correct? Yeah, I believe that's how it is uh, set up. Yeah, so if, if he were to accept a bullpen position, he could essentially do that job for his full Major League salary next year as a starter. So that would be then... Then it gets into what you were talking about in terms of the the huge salary becoming an issue. I think for this season, everybody would sort of overlook it because it's something that you, you're making an in-season adjustment, right? But for next season, going into it, knowing, okay, if you pick up your option, we're going to be using you in this way. That becomes, I guess, a bigger conversation. Again, I still don't care about it. That's a whole other story. Right. Um, and, and I think that with with the Mets starting pitching i mean look you hope that senga is even better next year as he now has a better a better grasp on playing in the big leagues but you're losing carrasco next year um i believe they have another year of quintana correct it was a two-year deal he signed yeah so uh, and
1: scherzer has an opt-out after this year so that that year is guaranteed unless he chooses Oh, okay. It's, it's, not, it's an opt-out, not a player option. Okay, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Verlander has a player option in his deal with some conditions that need to be met. Right. And that's but that's not until next next year's guaranteed for Verlander. Correct yeah, correct.
0: Yeah. Um And yes, Quintana is is a two-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, basically the met yeah, they have to fill one one rotation spot already next year, and there really isn't anybody in the high minors who's even Probably two seasons away from being a, a star call-up for the Mets. So they're gonna have to go back to free agency this offseason to fill at least one spot. Um I, mean, I I think it's an intriguing idea. And if this were you know, if if this were fantasy baseball, I would absolutely give that a try. Right. I wonder <laughs> if the noted like competitive bulldog Scherzer would even would even allow this line of questioning before biting your head off.
1: Right. Yeah, no, he's he's so intense that I that I worry that we're going to get like a a letter for even talking about it.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's a fair point. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but hey, I look, we are looking for bold suggestions. That's a That's a fun one. At first, I thought you were going to say Verlander. And mm-hmm. I actually think Verlander's stuff works better in that scenario. But Verlander is not at that point yet. But I could I could see Verlander doing the Smoltz thing in a, in a season or two. I think he's a guy who maybe would want to go to the bullpen. I don't know. I just get that vibe from him. More than Scherzer. Yeah. We're still a, a while away from that for Verlander.
1: Right. Also, uh, the, the Mets may need to find somebody to uh, deliver that message since we've read that even pitching coaches are afraid to go out and talk to Scherzer. (laughs) That is true.
0: (laughs) When he's on. um... He supposedly loves Alvarez. Maybe you can make Alvarez the guy to talk to him about that.
1: Yeah, no, no. And uh, he's been hyping him up. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's a good transition out of, out of the Scherzer uh, scenario here. Uh, Alvarez has been something.
0: Um... Yes. Yes. I was, I was just on, a podcast called Meet Me at Musial, which is a um, Cardinals podcast that is a part of our fans for a Sports Network. And um, I was asked what the best part of the Mets season thus far is. And I said, it has to be the emergence of Alvarez. Like, no questions asked. Because I mean, look, you saw him catch a little bit last year. And you said to me, I don't know if you said this on the air but you said it to me, you said, I think he's going to be a better defensive catcher than people are giving him credit for. And you were correct again. Thank so, you. <laughs> um the hat to you, my friend. Uh, we 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 will put that along the Andres Jimenez file, um, yes. which both you and I left spring training 2020, being like that kid's gonna be a fucking superstar, and he is. So, um, you know, the, the 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 rare things that our non-scout eyes could see. Yes, uh, <laughs> I am happy to, to to brag about those when when those things happen. Um, but, yeah, Alvarez, he's been great defensively. The pitching staff loves throwing to him. Uh, he's been hitting the cover off the ball. It's, it is its also, and maybe this is me just having a, a short memory for things, but do you remember the last time that the Mets had this many homegrown position players who seemed like they were going to be major pieces for years to come? Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, probably not because even in, even when Wright and Reyes emerged, it was kind of just them, right? I yeah. like, that that was a team with a lot of veteran free agents, um, and even a guy like Xavier Nady, uh, was somebody who they had traded for, not somebody who came up through their own system. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the uh, McNeil, even eighty
0: six. When you think of eighty six, you know. Uh, Ray Knight was not originally met. I don't believe it. I know it was, Keith and Gary obviously weren't. Um, you know that 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 team offensively. I mean, Strawberry was obviously a huge piece of it, as was Lenny Dykstra, but they they needed that outside those outside pieces to even be you know to, re- to really contend. And while I love Francisco Lindor, I feel like right now if you look at like you were saying McNeil, Nimmo, Alonzo, Beatty, and Alvarez. That's a pretty impressive homegrown team right now.
1: Yeah, no, I, that that's a, a, the majority of a starting lineup. Um, yeah. And you you want to see McNeil get back to something a little closer to what he was last year. Uh, obviously, uh, be unfair to expect anybody to win the batting title year in and year out if they're not Tony Gwynn. Right. But <laughs> um, but he's he started to to, I don't know, bump that overall lineup a little bit. Um, you you want to see a little more Beatty. You definitely want to see a little bit more, uh, although it was very nice to see him come through. With a, a, hard to say clutch in the first inning, but the first inning has been such a disaster for the Mets this year uh, that mm-hmm. after Lindor grounds into that double play with the bases loaded and nobody out, uh, it felt like a clutch double from Beatty to to get those two runs in and and get that game uh started off on the right foot yeah,
0: that would have been enough
1: yeah 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 but um but yeah no that that's it's a good point uh, and hopefully we see a little bit more from from Beatty uh hopefully Alonzo is not out too too long uh and I will say I've been harsh on Mark Vientos but uh in in sharing players who were sporting some pride apparel for pride night at city field last night the Mets shared photos of a few players uh in those shirts and Vientos was one of them so for like the last two weeks I've been like ah, send him down call up Mauricio which is probably still what I would do uh but he 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 earned a little bit of a respect for you yeah yeah a little a little a little bit of longer stay in in my opinion uh as if that matters and what the Mets do but
0: and also I mean to be fair your 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 desire to call to send him down has nothing to do with his long-term viability as a player it has to do with right now
1: right yeah and I think I think it's only fair at this point Mauricio I know he had that little injury scare recently but he's back out there he had two home runs last night he's still batting over 300 in Syracuse um it, you know I haven't seen him play in person at all this year I saw him a little bit last year and I, I will say he didn't like He didn't really grab my attention last year. So I, I understand to some extent why, you know, why people were kind of down on him. You know, the stat line wasn't that great. When I saw him play, he didn't, he didn't look particularly like, Oh, that's, that's going to be a guy. You know, O'Neal Cruz at that same stage of his career. uh, It was, it was the summer before, but when he was at Binghamton, it was like, "Oh, yep, yeah, that guy is a cut above everybody else here." And I didn't feel that way about Mauricio in a limited time seeing him. But now, what he's doing in Syracuse, uh, Alvarez has gotten the look. Beatty has gotten it, and and Vientos has gotten it. Um, and the Mets are still under five hundred, uh, so it's not it's not like, "Oh, let's not mess with success." We right. Um, I, I think he has earned that shot so objectively, uh, despite me being very happy that Vientos, uh, you know, participated in that way for, for pride night. Um, I would, I would send him back to Syracuse for a bit, let him get back in a groove, bring up Mauricio and kind of roll with it with him at second base. And that can kind of bring us to the Mets, Luke Voigt signing and how well, we try to balance, uh, yeah. you know, balance this out. Because to me, if Mauricio's defense is a concern, I want Guillaume still here. But who plays first base? Canna
0: every day? You know? Well, yeah. So, you know, the Luke Voigt situation to me is the, is the way that they send, um, uh how am I totally blanking my, my the name send Vientos down Vientos thank you yes. yeah 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 uh Vientos down yeah that to me that is that is the move there that they're gonna say that they need a, an everyday first baseman so they're gonna call him they're gonna call up uh Voight and send Vientos down I think that's what happens there and I think that Mauricio waits a little bit longer um right and they could always do Mauricio for Guillerme, which
1: takes away my late inning defensive replacement part of that plan but right Escobar is still there, uh, you, you know, incapable of playing second base and all that. Um, by the way, how do we not lead off the podcast with like the biggest story of June, Daniel Vogel back a home run last night. Yes,
0: he did. <laughs> My boy. Very, oh, very man. happy to see him.
1: That must've felt so good.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, a, a really important moment for him. Um, and I think look, if, if he can if he can do that just every couple of games, and I don't mean necessarily a home run, if he can just get a big hit every couple of days, then I think you are you are all of a sudden in a position where you don't have to worry so much about the DH position. Yeah. You can you and look, it's 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 not the full like perfect scenario here. It's not. But if you have him and you have Voight for when um, for when Alonzo comes back, that's your D.H. Platoon to me. That makes total sense. Um, You can then let Vientos develop better in AAA. And if he gets really hot and you release Luke Voight, oh, well, so be it. That's fine by me. You know, um, Escobar will get enough playing time, just giving everyone a day off here and there. Um, yeah, I would, I would say that it's, um, I would say that Voigt answers a lot of, if, if, if Vogelback can be even a halfway decent left-handed part of the, of the platoon, then I think Voigt's the perfect partner for him in that DH split. Do you have any objection to that?
1: No, no. I, I think that would be totally fine. And if Vogelback continues to struggle, um, uh, Voigt definitely becomes expendable whenever Alonso is back, regardless of everything else that happens. Uh, maybe he plays well enough that you can trade him. Uh, maybe not, whatever, you know, it, it, it's fine. Um, but if back continues to be an issue overall, then you can look at whether or not you keep him around for the second half of the season. Um, we're not quite at the halfway point yet, but we're, we're closer to it than it, than it feels like we should be. Um, yeah. But yeah, it does. But yeah, I, I, I just like Luis Guillorme, So I want him to be on the major league roster, but given the the weird fit that they have in, in a couple of other ways, uh, if it means that you have to option him and, and have a combination of Vogelback and Voight or Vogelbeck and Alonso, and Mauricio, all on the roster. Um, so be it. I, I think if you have a little bit of like a close call, they really got to go with prioritizing offense right now. Uh, yeah, because defensively they've been solid uh, as a team. I think uh, one thing too. I, I, I thank you for mentioning the Alvarez thing with his defense as he came up, but. I think it's been every one of those position player prospects that, or or now homegrown major league Mets that you talked about. I think all of them had defensive shade thrown at them at the yes, time. Yes, every were called single up. one. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and all of them have improved at the major league level. Well, Alvarez just showed up and he was what he was, and Beatty too. Uh, but I think seeing that McNeil and Alonzo, Nimo especially have worked as major league players to improve their defense and, and been successful in doing so um that should only be enc- even more encouraging that what if Alvarez gets better? I mean, he's 21, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It, the, 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 the cliche, if I'd known then what I know now. Right. So when does Alvarez hit that, that sort of peak of learning, you know, as he as he matures a little bit, just as a, as a person, you know, learning even more about the game and things he can do to improve. Um, what if what if he gets better defensively? What if his pitch recognition gets better as a hitter? Uh, and and you know, not like it's even been bad, but I, there's right. just so much potential there. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe the next time, oh well, no, Mauricio will have defensive shade thrown at him too when he comes up. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who the next one will be. Next big Mets prospect, maybe Alex Ramirez when he, uh, when he makes his way up, I think the reports on his defense have been good, right? Maybe he'll be the first Mets like big name prospect to make a debut and, and have people confident in his ability to play (laughs) his position. Um, but it's been nice to see about that. I don't
0: know. That's (laughs) a lot. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, but, yeah, the last thing I, I think that's on our agenda here for this episode is just to um, praise Pride Night at Citi Field last night. It is always nice to see the Mets, um, you know, go, um, you know, just to, to – to, honor a community that is oftentimes not honored enough in baseball and not honored. Well, if you look at the fiasco that happened at Dodger Stadium last night with their pride night, and we've talked about that in the past. um, I know our our own Grace Carbone was there at pride night. She'll be I'm sure we should be talking about it on Flushing is burning next week. So I don't want to say too much, but I just want to say I love that the Mets under the Cohen ownership have really doubled down on pride night and have made it an important part of the of the team's schedule and I hope that we see the team continue to do that and continue to celebrate uh hopefully not just one night a year the LGBTQ plus community at City Field yeah I don't, have, I don't know if you have any specific stuff to talk about with that um
1: yeah no no, no. I uh, look forward to reading and listening to Grace on the topic uh you know having having been at the game uh, and I wish I could have been there myself uh life life does not have me at city field right now
0: you may have heard some airplanes flying over
1: but they are not city field airplanes
0: <laughs> uh but it would be quite a twist if you were actually recording the podcast always from city field we just never told people before <laughs> <laughs> this is the way that we, they find out <laughs> yes
1: but uh, uh hiding hiding you know in, in the in the area behind the bullpen where they used to, where they shoved the home run apple for like the first year of the state. Of yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no. So I, although I wish I could have been there, um, seeing, you know, getting to, to kind of live vicariously through people like grace um, uh, another friend of mine uh, who, who's a gay man who was a professor at, at Manhattan college, uh, ne- never actually had a class with him, but you know, we, we, uh, we, we bonded over the Mets. I remember when the Mets signed Pedro Martinez, we happened to like be on the uh, one train, on the same, like we ran into each other on the train. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, we're talking about the Pedro signing and all that. So, um, you know, what, what he shared on Instagram was a photo of uh, the big scoreboard in center while Mark Canna's thing was up mm-hmm. saying, here's all the things Mark Canna's doing tonight for Pride night and like the rainbow Coca-Cola logo and all that. And like, say what you will. And, and I understand like the cynicism about corporate, you know, of course, of course, efforts to, to, to do this stuff, but still like the people who are full of hate, um, like these companies, when they do it, they are still driving those people crazy. And and that, that kinda like, it, it's sad that that's still the reality, but, um, I don't know if Coca-Cola can can piss off some hateful people, that like that's that's fine by me. Yeah. Um but seeing seeing him share uh in the caption that of his post was something along the lines of like uh you know, my team is on my team or what and that's awesome. It, yeah, like that was that was great. And you know, great job by Mark Canna, being being the most outspoken supporter of this. Um wasn't there another player last year who maybe is not still on the team? Timon I... Walker. Yeah. Timon Walker was, you know, spoke a little bit about it too. Um, and then, you know, similar it, just to other things, it, even if it's just a handful of players, but players who are volunteering to, uh, to show support and all that. And I think it's important for people to remember that just because everybody knows what pride month is and, uh, and what like a Pride Night celebration is, that that doesn't mean that we're at a point that it's not necessary. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it's very necessary. Um, yeah, and and you know, good job by the Mets, at least from what I can see from afar, celebrating it and and seeing people who are part of that community who mean something to, you know, to me personally, to to you, to everybody at. Uh, this podcast network Animes and Avenue, um, you know, to see them have that connection with their team, uh, that outweighs every one of those things outweighs 500 piece of shit comments that yes. show up on the med social media posts about it. So, uh. Yeah. Good stuff and and more of it, please. Yes.
0: um, I wanna give a quick shout out. I don't think she listens every week, but my friend Eileen is an occasional listener, and Eileen works at a school. I'm not gonna say where because I don't want to get her in trouble, but she um she works at a school that is currently in the news. if you're if you're in the New Jersey area and you watch the local news, her school is in the news because uh, the Board of Education has uh, made a mandate that the only flags that can fly in front of the school are the American and the state flags. And they did this specifically to stop people from flying the pride flag. And uh, she and many others are trying to fight this, trying to fight the good fight for this right now. And it's, it's a shame that even in a diehard blue state like New Jersey, there are still enough fucking assholes that can't accept people for who they are that they have to go through this. Um, so, yeah, we'll probably get some hate mail for this. I truly don't care. If you're going to send me a hate mail, you know what? Don't do it because I'm not <laughs> going to read it. I'm just going to delete it. And I'm going to laugh at you because you're a bad person. So there we go.
1: Yeah, um, and then also don't do it for a swearing.
0: Oh, <laughs> yes, that that, that too. Yeah. yeah, that happened recently. It did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> My freaking ears. to quote, um, Todd Flanders. Or, I don't know if it was Rod or Todd Flanders. Yeah, so. Even the most diehard Simpsons
1: fan is forgiven for yeah, uh, for not, not knowing what it is. Off. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I will know. I do know that that happened at Uncle Uncle Mo's family Feedback. And um, the, the Ned Flanders said, I'd expect this kind of language at Denny's, but not here. So uh, <laughs> does that get some of my Simpsons credit yes, points back? Okay.
1: Absolutely. Okay, good. So so my album recommendation uh, fits in perfectly to the state of New Jersey and the state of the world. Okay. And I will have you know... Uh, that according to our spreadsheet somehow this is the first YOLA tango record that we're recommending on the podcast really yep so this. us stupid... are big
0: Yola tango fans too
1: <laughs> they put out an wow. album last year called this stupid world for those who don't know they're from new jersey ira yes. kaplan of Yola tango uh a week or two ago throughout the first pitch at city field diehard mets fan uh You're
0: named after a
1: fucking mets reference yes yeah. i think we've talked about the reference we had we... to have right yeah we We've we've mentioned the band in like relation to Wilco and everything else. Um, but barring some clerical error on on our side, uh, we have not actually recommended a record yet. I think and maybe... they, and they have a song that the Threw Simpsons reference. Yeah, there you go. Let's they say also... to
0: Orlando's house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they uh, they uh, they also they have a really good cover of Meet the Mets. They do, yes. Uh, off the album Yo Latango is murdering the classics i love that meet the mets is considered one of the classics to murder uh, (laughs) on that cover
0: record um that was recorded at wfmu a new jersey radio station so there we go nice it's all it's all connected yes um you know i think maybe
1: we were there was a point where we almost had ira on the podcast and we do still aim to achieve that at some point yes but i think we were like lined up to like recommend all our yellow tanko stuff and whatever and it's just it was one of those things where he said yes. And then uh, the schedule just didn't work out and it didn't happen. So one day it will happen. Yes. But, uh, strictly in terms of the music, <laughs> I, I love when bands that have been around for a long time, um, put out records that are legitimately great. And I think Sonic youth did a really good job. I think their last couple of records were as strong as anything they ever did. I love listening to them. Um, you know, I, I've talked about mission of Burma's second phase, uh on one recommendation on on our show uh dinosaur jr is still making music that that i really like uh, it, you know some of my favorite songs of theirs have been off their last couple of records um i'm not saying that all gigantic bands fail at that but there's just something nice about bands that are popular enough that uh thousands of people in every city know about them but not not like playing uh nfl stadium level band (laughs) sure i think there's a higher rate of success at still making good music when when you're uh you know at like the yellow tango dinosaur junior wilco uh sonic youth level where uh, you can still sell out all all the shows you play uh, but you're not playing gigantic arenas when it comes to making new music so um i i there are several yellow tango records that objectively are are their best, right? That, that might be a little bit better than this one. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just loved, uh, two records ago, they put out like a really like quieter album and all that. And, and I don't dislike that side, but uh, like the fact that this one just starts off with a seven minute song that sounds like droney, loud, Yola tango, um, kind of sets the tone for the record. So, um, if you haven't listened to the band at all, you know, we we talk about this on the show regularly. You can go back and start with all the records if you want, but uh, I think if you listen to this one, you'll you'll get a pretty good taste of what the band is, and you can you can work backwards from there.
0: So, yeah, this stupid world, an excellent, excellent Yola Tango record. Um, and yeah, we need we need more bands that are, that are that adventurous and yet consistent as they get older. Yeah. Yeah, I think Yola Tango and Wilco are great examples of that. I was actually just talking to a friend of mine about this recently. I also think a band like um, like low, which is no longer a band because of Mimi Parker's death. But low at the end really went experimental again. But they there was like a solid 15 years there where every record changed a little bit. and They were trying new things, but it was still so consistently great. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I have decided to go with a, uh, a selection uh, because of Pride Month and um, so when I was in college, I worked at the college radio station, and I also started to review some records for a couple of websites at that point. And uh, I reviewed for a website that is no longer around. I don't believe called Silent Uproar, and they would send me just like a box of of CDs. They'd like, pick three and review them or whatever. And there was a record in there by a band called The Hidden Cameras. And I thought that's a fun name for a band. I'm going to listen to this record. And the album was called The Smell of Our Own. It came out in tw- uh, 2003 on Rough Trade, and. uh, I used to listen to music on a Discman because I'm old um, (laughs) on the bus. I lived off campus my senior year, and so I would take a bus to school every morning and I would listen to records on my Discman. And this album was the first uh, sort of record that I had heard by a an artist, first of all, that I mean, I had heard I have heard music from lots of queer artists before this, I was not experi, I was not exposed to queerness when I was 21 years old. But the songs are so expressively gay, in a way that is both like sexually explicit, but also there's a lot of romantic songs in this that are very clearly like a, a song being sung to a male partner by a male singer that just I had heard a little bit of that, you know, people like Rufus Wainwright, um, do that very well. But this was the first time I had heard sort of an entire record that I could not in any way extricate from the queerness of it. And at first it I mean, look, I was 21. I was young, young and stupid, right? I never I never had a problem with it. But I felt like it wasn't for me. I felt like this. Oh, this is interesting and good. But this I'm not the intended audience for this. And then I sort of got over myself and realized, no, there's no reason that I shouldn't be able to enjoy this music just as much as anyone else because it's not about my experience. In fact, I should seek out more things that aren't my experience. And I credit this record with actually opening my eyes in a lot of ways to trying to in you know get involved with with books and films and music and and just art in general that wasn't created people by people who were like me or for people like me, but were created for other people and to try and find new perspectives and new um, avenues to think about things and all of that. And so, although some of the lyrics on this would make me blush then, and probably still would now if I had to like karaoke this in front of people, because there's some very explicit uh, lyrics on this. Uh, the the one that I will always remember is there's uh, there's a song about being pissed on in the shower. <laughs> like you know, that's just that's <laughs> that, that's not you know, it's not something I, I I typically again like sitting on the bus listening to this. I was like oh that's that's okay that's a uh, that that's a uh, that's a thing cool. Um, but you know again just like I, I really think that it the I mean, there's a song called Boys of Melody that has one of the most beautiful melodies I've ever heard in a pop song or a rock song, any kind of song It's almost almost like a classical melody um just absolutely gorgeous the the gentleman behind the record is named Joel Gibb. It also features the great uh, Owen Pallet on violin. Um, Owen Pallet has done all sorts of stuff production wise and play with a bunch of people and it's just this gorgeous like, sunny pop lush chamber pop record that is impossibly queer. And I'm so glad that I heard it at the time of my life that I did because it opened my eyes and made me a better person. And it's not often you can say that about a record. Um, So, yeah, the smell of our own by the hidden cameras is my pick for this week. Very Um, nice. Yeah. Happy Pride Month, everybody. We should we should we should do more next year about Pride Month. I don't know what we should do because we're both two straight men and I never want to seem performative with this, but I really do love Pride Month and I love that um there are friends of ours, people in our lives, family, whoever, who for whom this month means so much. I would support that hundred I, I I would be fine if the entire year was Pride Month. And I'd love how angry it made terrible people. Yeah. It sound like, <laughs> you know, twenty twenty four is Pride Year. And we're just gonna do it that year. fine, cool. I'm I'm totally game. Love it. Rainbows are good. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you for yes. listening, folks. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh let's keep, hope the Mets can keep this winning streak going up. Uh this this weekend seems like a great time to, to notch some wins before going to Houston and probably being blown out. So um <laughs> until then, go to home applesauce.com or patreon.com slash home applesauce to support this podcast directly. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane I am on Twitter at Brian app And until next time, happy Pride Month. Let's go, Mets.